Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to top athletes, coaches, influencers, and minds from around the world of strength sports. Presented by barbend.com. Today on the Bar Bend Podcast, I'm talking to Dave Spitz, founder and coach at Cal Strength. A former standout track and field athlete, Dave's journey in weightlifting has taken some incredible turns, and he spent years of his time and energy, not to mention personal money, to build one of the most influential weightlifting programs in the United States and online. Dave was also one of the first people to take weightlifting online, helping launch Cal Strength to success and visibility in the early days of YouTube. Through Cal Strength, Dave has coached top American athletes, including Wes Kitts, John North, Donnie Schenkel, Spencer Mormon, Jared Enderton, the list goes on and on. In 2019, Dave is heavily focused on Wes Kitts' preparation for the World Championships and 2020 Olympic Games. Dave says Wes is in many ways the culmination of more than a decade of program building at Cal Strength. We also go deep into Dave's experience with the Bulgarian weightlifting system, along with the lifters who have been most influential in his career as a coach. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Bar Bend podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. This helps us stay on track in bringing you the best content possible week after week. And if there's someone you'd absolutely love to hear on a future Bar Bend podcast episode, let us know in your podcast review. I personally read each and every review, so your suggestions will be seen. Today on the Bar Band Podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest and a name a lot of weightlifting fans in the United States and abroad will recognize, and that is Dave Spitz of Cal Strength. Dave, thanks so much for joining today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Can't wait to dive in. Now, Dave, I know this is something we've we've covered on barbend.com before and some content we've done with you and with Cal Strength, but I would love to give listeners a little bit of background on your history in the sport of weightlifting and how you came to be you know, the godfather of Cal Strength, so to speak. Oh, geez. All right. So a uh, five-minute origin story. Ready? <laughs> We're ready. Uh, Dave graduates from uh, USC with a bachelor's degree and a track and field career that was not as successful as anyone, including himself, thought uh, was um, going to be the case. So went to work, um, actually started a, a small oil and gas company with a buddy of mine, um, parlayed that into uh, a finance career and then um, went um, down the rabbit hole with um, that aspect of my life. So trying to figure out how to make money, how to, how to make friends and um, attained all that. And then uh, realized that something was missing that I needed, I needed sports in my life and it just was this void that I just could not replace. And so I started Olympic weightlifting because I always enjoyed the lifts um, as a as a vehicle to train for sports, uh, track and field. Obviously, we spent a lot of time in the weight room doing snatch, clean, and jerk, and I thought I was strong. So I looked up a local coach, um, started lifting, and then uh, volunteered my time at uh, high school to, to coach throws while I was lifting and um, stumbled across uh, a man named Alex Krychev, who was basically the first Bulgarian wonder boy um, out of Abhijiv's 
system. So he was, you know, responsible for setting multiple world junior records and uh, ultimately took a silver medal in 1972 Munich Olympics. So I coached his son and he decided that it would be uh, apropos to take me on as a pupil while I coached his son in throws. And so we, we worked together for about I don't know, half a year. I went up to like 135, 175 as a 105. And then he said, you know what? We should go to Bulgaria because Abhijiev is out of a job and we could tap him for some some of his expertise. So uh, for those of you that don't know about the Bulgarian system, basically a country of 6 million people producing the strongest humans that have ever walked the face of the earth. Um, so I thought that would be a good idea. Went over to Bulgaria, trained in some of the halls, met Abhijiev. And then uh, used some of my um, my wealth to create a nonprofit called AmericanWeightlifting.org and brought over Abhijit. Wrote visas for him for two Bulgarian athletes and uh, just sequestered ourselves in a, in a garage in a suburb of Northern California. Trained, lived, worked, ate at weightlifting and then started recruiting American athletes to work alongside us. So names like Donnie Shankle and James Moser and Max Ada ultimately were a part of that movement. And then um, once I realized the perils of the Bulgarian system, um, as it applied to uh, an athlete like myself without a, a sufficient foundation of technique and strength and, um, and, and, uh, and hours under the barbell, I sent Abhijit packing and started Cal strength. So this is, uh, this is kind of what led me down the weightlifting road. So what year, what year did you officially start Cal strength? What year did that 2007. name? 2007. 2007. Yeah. 07. we went to the for-profit model. So I got tired of feeding, you know, my own, my own nonprofit with, with my money. I thought, you know what, it would be better if I could just create a situation where, a gym pays for itself. And so I started down um, the road of strength and conditioning using what I had learned, my approach to weightlifting and, and my approach to track and field um, and, and my love of just strength sports to utilize for uh, high school athletes and junior high school athletes in our area. And then that would hopefully be able to continue to fund weightlifting and maybe I could smuggle in weightlifting and, <laughs> teach it to a couple of these athletes and see if, see if I could get a few of them to, to convert. So one thing that, you know, when I was first looking up weightlifting online and, and was getting to the sport myself, you know, around like 2000, 2009, Cal strength was one of the first to really go online, produce videos. And, and some of those videos now they have hundreds of thousands of views and you can go back and, and I will actually sometimes rewatch them for motivation to see Donnie Shankle, John North, Spencer Mormon throwing down, um, those intense training sessions. What was the motivation to take some of what was happening in the gym and start putting it online in a time when no one had really done that. People definitely hadn't monetized that or like used that to really advertise their gyms. Yeah, uh, we basically knew that we had a bunch of characters, um, and you know anybody who listened to Donnie Shankel talk or just observed practice, you know I knew I could build a business around these personalities, irrespective of what they were doing. They could have been solving Rubik's cubes in a corner and been just as funny as and entertaining. Just happened to be that that was the sport that they were doing, and that coincided with the the, the popularity. Uh, boom because of the CrossFit movement and uh, and because all the Olympic variations were starting to use use more and more in uh, in colleges and in high schools for strength and conditioning. So it was a very very fortuitous nexus of just like 
us having a bunch of whack jobs that uh, were entertaining that we could put on on the internet uh, to help grow the brand and grow 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 the um, grow the awareness and um, and the rise of, of the Olympic lists um, across other vehicles. Now, Cal Strength is also a facility known for training a lot of a lot of pro athletes, especially a lot of NFL players, prepping players for the combine, the draft, things like that. When did that start becoming a, a part of the business, and is it still, you know, a vital part of the business as far as running it, operations, funding today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my first uh, NFL draft class was back in 2010. Um, I basically uh, forged a relationship here with a, a young man and his family. Um, his name was TJ Ward. He was a strong safety at Oregon. He really wanted to utilize uh, the uh, relationship with his dad to coach him on the sports-specific side. So he was his defensive back coach all the way through high school, and he just wanted to get back to his roots on that front, wanted to live at home and train, and there was really no options around. So he basically tapped me and said, hey, can you take care of, of everything else? And, uh, and that was kind of the first the first athlete we had through the program, and he was drafted in the second round and went on to win a Super Bowl and be a pro bowler. But he, uh, he basically uh, allowed me to kind of look into this industry and, and, and figure out how – to create create opportunities within it. I mean, if you look at NFL scouting combine preparation or any peak performance type endeavor like like that, you know, it's very closely tied to what we do with weightlifting. So figuring out, you know, an anchor date in time and and getting an athlete to perform at their best at that anchor date, that's it's what we do very well. And uh and so the skill set just really really clicked for me and uh learning, you know, how to coach the 5105 and the L drill and and you know, understanding the drive phase and the acceleration phase of the forty, um, and then and then working towards you know, producing a rep max with the bench. All these things, you know, uh, were were just natural fits for me. Now, this is something that it gets thrown around a lot at uh, on weightlifting forums. Uh, people debate this ad nauseum, and it's it's whether you take these high performing you know, top caliber, all pros in a sport like football in the NFL. And if you were to get them started at weightlifting at a young age, you know, how they would compare to the top weightlifting athletes in the U.S. or the world. Um, as someone who has a lot of experience with NFL pro bowlers and Super Bowl champions, um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the best athletes, the potential best weightlifting athletes in the United States are are always lost to these other sports? Or is the, the question a little more complex than that? It's far more complex than that. I mean, if you look at the number of NFL athletes uh, that exist, there's roughly 1,700 that are in the NFL today. Um, I probably have, of that 1,700, uh, I have relationships with probably close to 50 of them. Not one of those athletes do I think I could pluck out of the NFL and make in a weightlifter um, that that even comes close to rivaling what West Kids can do. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, it's, it's, a it's a misnomer to think that those are our absolute best athletes. Um, they are good athletes, but what makes them great football players is their ability to execute on a sports specific level that is above and beyond what other people are doing and a tactical level. So if you take our, probably our most famous Cal strength alumni, Zach Ertz, who is, you know, set an NFL reception record at the tight end position as a pro bowler, as a Super Bowl champion, you know, 
he is just a master of the game of football from a tactical and uh, a sports specific side, his route running, his understanding of the game, his ability to create opportunities um, to, 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 to make receptions. That's his gift. It's not athleticism. So um, I do think there's a lot of good athletes that, that, that participate in football, uh, but the washout of, of athletes from football is far greater than what we have playing the game today mm-hmm. so so if, if if that's if that's our argument that's a really poor one um what we need to do is figure out uh, a net to grab some of those top tier athletes from that sport that are washing out because you know wes wes is the perfect example great athlete good football player not enough not enough um exposure to to play at the next level and wants to invest his time and energy in something else and so you know, we just have to have a mechanism to support those athletes. And so that's what we're working on right now with USA weightlifting. I definitely want to chat more about Wes's development as uh, a weightlifter in, in just a second, but you talk about building the net. Now, if you had kind of infinite resources and yeah. infinite power to build that net of folks washing out of other sports to find the next West kits, to find the next 10 West kits across weight classes, um, you know, what might some of those steps look like if you were in charge and, and had infinite power in that? Uh, I would take uh, an approach where we do a 90-day trial. I feel like at the end of 90 days, I know whether you're a high baseline, high responder, or whether you're just a high baseline, like mid-range responder or a high baseline, low responder. So I need 90 days. And so what I would do is I would say, all right, anybody interested in trying weightlifting that meets these these basic athletic thresholds, you know, and so that it could be a, you know, a broad jump, it could be a vertical leap, it could be a, a power clean or a back squat, you know, whatever you're looking at uh, as baseline numbers to access the 90 day trial. Then from those, I would say, okay, now we're going to give you a one year trial and we're going to pay you a, a living wage every month. So call it two or $3,000 a month to train full time for one year. And then from there, we can uh, assess whether at the end of the year, if they're not already at the top of the national level, it ain't ain't the right fit. So uh, move on. If they are, then create opportunities for performance type uh, incentives. So big money payouts for medals at at relevant meets. And that's, that's pretty much how I would structure it if I had unlimited resources. So Cal Strength's origins or your origins as a weightlifting coach and a, and a lifter um, really do borrow a lot from the Bulgarian system. And you mentioned earlier uh, you saw some of the failings of the Bulgarian system for yourself as an athlete and some other athletes. How has Cal Strength since 2007, the last 12 years, how has Cal Strength approached to programming and uh, training blocks for athletes uh, evolved since 20, 2007? Yeah. Great question. So there are only two systems in Olympic weightlifting. You know, everything else is a, is a, is a, some sort of deviation from those systems or some sort of, of adaptation of those systems. So Bulgarian and Russian, right? The Soviet system that basically relies on exercise variation and, uh, and very organized block periodization to, to produce qualities in athletes, um, and then the Bulgarian system is the exact inverse of that. It's the, it's the hyper-specialization and the high-intensity approach um, 
that is that is um, that is ultimately responsible for the strongest athletes that have ever lived. But unfortunately, um, what we failed to understand early on is that all Bulgarian athletes that had any level of success started in a Russian system. So all those provincial Bulgarian systems were very, very Soviet in nature. So they had all of the things that we know and love about these Russian programs um, from exercise selection to, you know, um, undulations and volume and intensity, all the classical mechanisms we know that get people strong over time and produce a well-rounded, balanced, technically proficient athlete. Then once they attained a certain level, got sent to the national uh, team and, and were put into this hyper-specialized uber extreme motivation structure that produced these outside results. So my theory as it stands today, when I produce a quad plan for an athlete like Wes, you know, we're looking at a four-year time horizon. The, the training blocks in each annual plan are slowly shifting from um, more variation to less variation over time. And we're looking at uh, correcting deficiencies in movement and correcting deficiencies in strength uh, imbalances along the way. But starting from about 10 months out of the Olympics, you better believe all he's going to be doing is snatch and clean and jerk, you know? So quantity of quality, we will go, we will go straight, you know, as, as Bulgarian as Bulgarian gets with a lot of, with a lot of, you know, self self limiting uh intensities assigned throughout the uh throughout the program so i do want to talk about wes uh, a bit it would be uh, a disservice to any listeners and also to the program not to talk about one of the most successful athletes in the program's history and one of the strongest american athletes we've ever seen on the platform when i first came across wes and was kind of aware of who he was he was you know, this former football player who had kind of tried, tried the CrossFit thing. He was competing in the grid league at the time. And look, he was strong. I mean, he was, he was strong as a house. Right. Um, and he was a, a pretty darn good weightlifter, but really we've seen a lot of those come onto the scene in America. And we see a lot of them, you know, they reach that high level national potential, um, but they're not really making dents on the international stage. Wes is someone whose progression has come as a pleasant surprise, I think, to a lot of people, myself included, and that his numbers keep going up. And, you know, he's not making a 20-kilo jump every single year, but he's worked his way up, and he's, he's, he's really he's competing. He's competing for medals at almost every competition he goes to on the international stage. Um, how did you first get introduced to Wes, and what has been your, you know, how long have you been working with him, and what has been your uh, approach to training him to this point? You talked a bit about the approach Leading up to Tokyo next year, which we're which we're going to hit that ten month mark here pretty soon. Um, but what has your training history with Wes kind of been? So uh, I, like you said, found Wes uh, while he was participating in Grid League. I I saw him moving a barbell uh, in a warm up for a competition. I think he cleaned two hundred kilos, and it was like holy shit. He had no idea what he was doing. His his positions, his tension, his tempo, his timing, everything off, but still his rate of force production was so profoundly different than what I had been accustomed to seeing. You know, you start to develop an eye and you say strength. He was, he was strong, but he was not that strong. He didn't have like, I mean, Spencer Mormon, for example, was much stronger than he was, but his, the angles of pination, the, 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 the collagen density and his, his ability to store that kinetic energy, uh, uh, in tendons and his and his uh, his his fiber type ratios, all of those things, his limb lengths, 
they combine to just create this, this ability to uh, maximize the rate of force production, uh, especially in the pole, in a way that I was just not aware existed <laughs> with an athlete. And so, um, so I saw him, I had to have him. I brought him out for a three-month internship, just like I alluded to before. He was paid $500 for three months, and we worked together to... Uh, start down the rabbit hole. I remember pulling up a chair and sitting there and watching him snatch for the first day he was in the gym. And I didn't say a word through, you know, all the way up to about 90%. And, and he's looking around and Rob Blackwell happened to be there. And, and Rob says, uh, Rob kind of smiled and Wes said, what, what, what's he doing? What's he, what's he, is he going to ever say something? And Rob said, he's, he's waiting to find an opportunity. He doesn't know where to begin. <laughs> and there, was that, there was that much wrong. And so it was like, uh, and he could, he could make, he could make such profoundly different errors, you know, like great athletes are great compensators and Wes is the best compensator. So at any rate, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the origins of him. And then, you know, I think that to your point, he is a very special athlete, um, between the years. So he has this ability to, to trust and to, and to lean in and, and, um, solve problems together to be able to kind of have that, have that, uh, buy-in that, that athletes, you know, struggle with from time to time, you know, the, 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 the second things go wrong with a lot of athletes that are following a program, it's like they start chasing a shiny penny and, and they get distracted and they start searching for answers instead of just working through, uh, what we know to be true and, and, um, and solving problems as a team. So Wes is really good at that. He's also, he's the most determined individual I've ever met. He really values, you know, the, the opportunity that he has. So competing for the United States, competing for himself and his, his family and his gym. It's just like, it sounds hokey, but he is like a Captain America figure in that sense. Like he really just has these, these homegrown values that, that, that uh, he just is appreciative. And, and we talk about this all the time, love and gratitude those things are the fuel that drives West kids. Um, so anyway, um, his, his training, you know, I think that I'm much better than, 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 when I, than I've ever been. When I got him, I had already cut my teeth on a lot of different athletes and seen a lot of, a lot of try a lot of things tried and a lot of things failed. And so Wes is basically the byproduct of he's getting the best of me and he's the best athlete we've ever, we've ever had. So the, the combination is powerful. Wes is an athlete who I, I always really enjoy watching on stage. And there have been several examples, especially the first few competitions um, that I was aware of that I was following after he started training with you, where he had some real do or die lifts. He had some like third attempt snatches that he just went, missed the first two attempts, went up in weight and, and somehow made it. Um, a lot of athletes are not really capable of that. That's something you you just don't see very often in weightlifting competition. The fact that he's done this several times, and the fact that you know he might miss an attempt and then adds five, might miss that, and he go, goes up again and somehow makes that thir- third attempt do or die on the international stage. Um, I mean, do you think that goes back to his mental toughness, or is that a combination of you know his own internal mental state as an athlete and any particular coaching cues? You know what accounts for that ability. Uh, I mean, we've learned that over time. I mean, 
as many times as you can remember us going up after a missed second attempt, you know, I, I, I typically won't go up after a missed opener, but if he misses a second attempt, you know, and I feel like it was a quality attempt that he knows what he did wrong and we can make a mental adjustment, um, then I'm fine pushing him to the, to the, to that higher weight. Uh, but there's lots of times where, where he failed, especially in the clean and jerk, you know, there was a time where he could only ever make one clean and jerk. And so, you know, the, the, the most, um, memorable was the Pan Am championships in Florida, where he had 208 kilos on the bar on a second attempt to secure a gold medal. And he got called for a little press out and then we put the same weight back on the bar and this is a weight that he crushed in practice routinely and he overpulled it and um, basically set himself into blackout mode on the recovery and, you know, took a silver medal home uh, as a consolation prize. You know, th- those types of things, you know, we've had to, we've had to learn from and that's all we talk about here now. It's like we either win or we learn and there is no, there is nothing else. So we never lose, we win or we learn. And so learning accountability, learning to, 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 to crush those opportunities when they, when they're before us. Um, and if you watch West today, like at this Pan Am games, uh, uh, event where he had to do 217 kilos for a gold medal, he walks up to the bar with the biggest grin with that shit eating grin pointing to his fans. He knows that it's time to shine. And so there's no anxiety about these, these attempts. There's only the appreciation of the opportunity and the joy that that brings. And that's how, that's how he frames it. And and so yeah, his, he can't be stopped right now. And just to give the listeners a little perspective, if they haven't been following Wes over the years, you know, what year did he start training with you? Cause you, you mentioned that, uh, the Pan Am, uh, that Pan Am competition in in Florida. I was actually doing color commentary on that yeah. one, so seeing that happen live was was a was a pretty cool treat and was one of my highlights from that week. You know, what year did you start working with him? What kind of numbers did he come in with? Maybe a bit inconsistently. Where is he now? And are there any goal numbers uh, heading into Tokyo? Yep. So I started working with him. Um, about two months before the American Open Championships in 2000 and let's see, uh, 2014, right before American Open 2014, he moved out here in 2015, um, in January of 2015. So he had, uh, he was starting to do some programming up to that American Open. He totaled 360 kilos at that, at that meet. And then, so from the time he's moved out to Cal Strang, 360 to 399. Um, now he has had the benefit of moving from a 105 to a 109. So, you know, that's not insignificant, but, um, he's definitely made a really good systematic, reliable progression, um, starting with the snatch where we, where we fix the snatch, then working through the jerk, uh, or sorry, then working through the clean and then finally, finally, you know, arriving at the jerk. And now we're back at the snatch because we've got to move the needle from the, you know, those mid seventies to the low eighties now, um, to have a shot at meddling in Tokyo. What athletes in, in your long pedigree of coaching and a long pedigree of Cal strength, um, what athletes do you think were most influential in you becoming the coach you are today. You say you cut your teeth with some some of these big personalities that we saw on YouTube over the past decade. You know which athletes helped make you the coach you are today, and that most stick out to you. Um, 
I think that uh, Rob Blackwell, Spencer Mormon, uh, Nicole Lamb, those athletes, um, certainly, you know, John, John North and Donnie Shankel and Kevin Cornell, those athletes are, are, I was more in a management role trying to corral their personalities and work with Glenn behind the scenes to figure out a program that was actually doable um, for them based upon the insanity that was Cal strength at the time. So, uh, you know, I, I, tr- I try and learn from everybody, but I think that Spencer Mormon, if I, if I'm to pick one, you know, he was the first kid that I coached to multiple national titles to, you know, uh, to, to an international team, um, he was the kid that really kind of helped me uh, hone and sharpen a lot of my skills from coaching eye to programming. Now he, he was doing one, uh, 208 kilo clean and jerk as a one Oh five um, with probably, you know, a fraction of the athleticism that Wes has was, was still, and still is, I think a, a tremendous feat. So I would pay, I would pick him. And you mentioned that atmosphere in in the gym, the corralling these big personalities and the craziness from you know half a decade ago, even a decade ago. How does that atmosphere compare to Cal Strength today? Uh, Cal Strength today is is not nearly as fun, but it's way more professional in terms of our application of what we're what we're doing. And you know, I, I've said this before. In many respects, I was kind of playing the long con to see if I could generate enough buzz, participation, information, motivation out there in the world and find an athlete, cherry pick an athlete that I thought could actually do the sport on the highest level. And so this has been, this has always been a part of the the process is trying to uncover the West Kits um, athlete. And so once I got him, you know, things buttoned up a little bit and I felt like we had to rely, rely less on the uh, show and more I could, I could re- lean more into the actual uh, nuts and bolts of what we do well um, from a programming side, from a movement side, from a, from a motivation and competition mindset side. Um, And so we'll see if that's the case, but uh, I'm certainly 100% invested day in and day out in that young man's success because uh, nothing, nothing makes me happier than watching him succeed on the platform. So what is next beyond, obviously, pre- uh, Wes's preparation heading into the Olympics? Uh, what's next for, for Cal Strength? No clue. Uh, I, I, I literally, I think uh, Nick Saban said it the other day, like people are in love and addicted to tomorrow. Like we're focused on today. I am enjoying my moment with this athlete. Uh, I, 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 I've, I've said it a million times. You know, I've, I've been on four continents in the last eight weeks with, with Wes and, um, you know, there's not a, a week that goes by away from my family that I regret being with him because, you know, he understands sacrifice and he understands, um, the importance of this journey. And so, uh, that's really what's, what, what's, what's being prioritized. I mean, we have, we have some chicken left on the bone from world championships coming up in Thailand where this is our only other anchor date in this 2019 calendar, right? We had Pan Am championships where we totaled 399. Uh, then we had this Tokyo test event and the Pan Am games. We've been training through these events. There, there's been no taper, no peaking. You know, those are, those are trained through events, which, you know, to his testament, it's like mentally just amazing that he overcame 
all of those uh, those individuals' best shots in in uh, Lima because those guys were peaked and ready for war. Um, but we have the world championships coming up, and it's now time to to put that four hundred kilo plus total together on stage um, and and show people what we've actually been working on, and then set that up for we have to do one more event. Uh, an IWF event in the third trimester to lock in uh, his Olympic birth. And, uh, and then it's, it's head down eyes forward all the way into the Tokyo 2020. Awesome. And Dave, if, if folks want to follow along with that journey, where can they follow you? Where can they follow Cal strength? And, and even, you know, where can they follow along with Wes's training and, and progression? Uh, shit, just about anywhere on, on the internet these days. Um, it's uh, his own Instagram is uh, at West Kits 22, I believe. Uh, uh, our Instagram is Cal underscore strength. Uh, the website's CaliforniaStrength.com. The YouTube channel's California Strength. We're, we try and make ourselves very visible and easy to find. And you guys always help uh, amplify our message. So I'm very appreciative for uh, what you guys do for the sport. I'm, I feel like I have to do a lot less heavy lifting on the media side, thanks to people like you, actually getting our message out there for us. So, well, I really appreciate that, Dave. And, uh, you know, our hope is that, uh, the listeners use this uh, opportunity to learn a little bit more about what you've been doing and and the culmination of over 10 years of effort at Cal strength. So it's really fantastic to see, um, to see what that's producing. So, um, just want to say thanks so much again for, for joining us and, um, you know, best of luck heading into the world championships. Appreciate it. Uh, you have a great rest of the day, and I will hopefully be talking to you soon, uh, bringing home a medal from this uh, this world event. <laughs> Let's hope so. 